This message is a ministry of From the Fray, a site dedicated to providing hope-filled, battle-worn resources. For more encouraging content, check out fromthefray.com. More than any other book in the Bible, the book of Jonah probably has uh, the most unexpected ending. If uh, you're not familiar with the book, and few people are, you might think that the book ends when Jonah gets swallowed up by a fish. But that's only the first half of the book. When that happens, we have half the book left. You might uh, assume that the book ends when the city of Nineveh repents and gets spared from God's wrath. But when that happens, we still have a whole other chapter left, which we're going to start dealing with now. The last chapter brings about a plot twist ending. Because in the last chapter, we find Jonah being surprised and angry at the success of his mission and God's decision not to destroy Nineveh. Pick it up in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I would rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Now, of course, this is odd because the whole point of God's mission for Jonah was to bring Nineveh to repentance, right? And when that happens and his mission is a success, Jonah gets mad. It's kind of like Billy Graham being upset when he does an altar call and people come down and accept Jesus. It wouldn't make any sense. Except for the fact that this shows us that Jonah's heart was really never committed to God's mission of, of love and mercy. Uh, he was never really committed to it, and that's why he gets mad when, when it works. So at this point, God kind of switches roles, and he plays the role of a good counselor or a therapist with the question he asks Jonah next in verse 4. Lord, the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Now the question, of course, is rhetorical. It's not okay for, for Jonah to be angry. God didn't mean that by asking the question. What God wanted Jonah to do was consider why he is so angry. What's the reason he's so angry? So it would be wise for us to stop and ask ourselves. Same question. What are the topics or the situations or the people that make you disproportionately angry? More angry than you know you should be. Immediately. They push your buttons and you get mad immediately. Or what is it if you lost it? Or if it didn't go your way? You'd be thrown into despair like Jonah is here. And then we have to follow that up with asking ourselves, why does that bother us so much? How did those things and those topics and those people get to a position where they have such direct access to your heart? Because when anything or anyone has more access to your heart than God does, that, that thing has become an idol. It's a word we, we should use more often, and whenever I talk about it, um, I always make a point to say that we rarely make idols out of bad things. Right? An idol is worshiping anything other than Jesus. Uh, but usually we don't pick a bad thing to do that. Like nobody wakes up and says, should I worship Jesus or Satan today, right? We don't do that. We end up worshiping other things that are actually pretty good. But then they become idols when we take good things and we worship them and turn them into the ultimate thing. That's what an idol is. Making anything in your life or anyone in your life more crucial than God's love and mercy. Now, if you remember from part three of our series, <clears throat> part three of our series, Jonah gets his identity uh, first and foremost, as a function of his ethnicity and his patriotism for being a Hebrew. That's what matters most for Jonah. And all of his life, he believed that God only loved Hebrew people, people who were like him. And so this is why God's decision to love and spare Nineveh threatened Jonah's very identity. He didn't want to live anymore. Because not only was he not who he always thought he was, which is someone that God loved more than everybody else, 
But now he's finding out that his, his country's greatest military rival, Assyria, uh, is going to be spared from destruction. And he doesn't know what to do about that. It didn't matter to Jonah that the Assyrians were human beings. It didn't matter to Jonah that the Assyrians were human beings God loved. What mattered to Jonah was that the Assyrians were not Hebrew human beings. And because of that, Jonah would rather die than see those other people who are not like him get to go on living. This is why idols are so toxic to the human race. It's why they're so bad for us. Uh, they, they will destroy us quicker than anything. Because it causes us to care more for something that we shouldn't care that much about than we do the general welfare, welfare of other people. Right? When, when uh, Christians, I'll just give you one example. When Christians care more for the economic and military prosperity of our own country than we do the, the health and, and safety and welfare of people from another country. Well, that's sin. It, it's, it's idolatry and it's sin. Patriotic love of your country, which is great and fine and wonderful, and I have a lot of it, can grow into imperialism. Healthy love of your race can quickly turn into racism. Now, nobody is born racist or hateful. So how do we get that way? Well, I want to close by giving you three ways to be a bigot. There are a lot of other ways to do it, to be sure, but I want to give you three ways to be a bigot. The first one is this. Let your hurt turn into hate. If you want to become a bigot, prejudicial and hatred, full of hate, let your hurt turn into hate. Instead of dealing with the anger, often righteous, that comes from being hurt, you can let that bitterness grow into hatred for the people who initially caused you pain. And you can begin to harbor some extremely awful feelings of ill will for them. Letting your hurt turn into hate. Deal with your hurt before it turns into hate. Another way to be a bigot is to allow your preferences to grow into prejudices. Let your preferences grow into prejudices. That'll turn you into a bigot. Instead of recognizing that your preferences are, well, just that, your personal preferences, what you can do is you can withdraw from everyone who doesn't share those preferences that you do. When we do that, we start to become suspicious and leery, and, and uh, we assume that the other people who don't act like us and have the same preferences we do, well, it's because there's something wrong with them. We go from from preferences to prejudices. Don't Don't let that happen. The third one comes from one of the greatest theologians to ever live. Jonathan Edwards is famous for saying often, if you idolize, you will demonize. This is how you become a bigot. If you idolize, you will demonize. If you turn anything into an idol, then everything else you're going to turn into a demon. We saw this in Jonah's case, right? His identity as a Hebrew was his idol. And so everyone who didn't share that identity, well, was demonized. And Jonah would rather see them die. And if they didn't have to die, then he wanted to die. He didn't want to be on the same planet with those people getting justice and mercy. If you love anything too much, which is possible, if you love anything more than Christ too much, then that thing will push all other things away out of reach of your heart. Now, the remedy for that, for, for bigotry, Jonah is about to learn. The remedy is compassion. And we'll get to that in our next and final video. Thanks.